Good morning, Cornerstone Church, and welcome to our online service. It is great to have you with us this morning. Folks, every year in September, we want to, we want to stop as a church and to take some time to get back to the values that we hold dear to. Cornerstone Church, we have three values that flow from Scripture. They are that we are gospel-centered, that at the center of who we are is the truth and the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are a church that is marked by grace. That we are who we are all because of the grace and the mercy of God. Not anything that we have done, but everything that he has done that shapes how we live. And that we want to be a church that is on mission. We have a mission to tell the world about Jesus and the good news about him. And folks, every September, like I said, we want to stop and spend a week getting back to those things. I don't know about you, but obviously the last six months, for some of us even in the last few weeks, it would be so good for us to reorientate our hearts as individuals and as as a church around the, these values that flow from the gospel. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn to 1 Peter. And I'm going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through to verse 12. And then we're going to turn over the page and I'm going to read from chapter 2, verse 4 through to verse 10. So grab your Bibles and we'll be reading from 1 Peter 1. Verse 3. Let's read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to, be res to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what personal time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subs subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels long to look. And turn over the page to chapter two, and I'm reading from verse four. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you 
are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Folks, to be gospel-centred is to have your whole life formed and shaped by the gospel and for the gospel, by that good news and for that good news. And all our other values and all values flow from being gospel-centred. Without being gospel-centred, without the gospel shaping who we are, we can never be truly marked by grace. Because the good news of the gospel is revealing to us the grace of God, that we are who we are because of what he has done. And it is that that marks us. So if we don't understand that and we don't know that, we can never be marked by that grace. And if we don't know the good news of Jesus, we cannot truly be on mission because we don't know a news, therefore we can't proclaim a news to a watching world. Folks, without being gospel-centered, we cannot be marked by grace and we cannot be on mission. Now, it is an understanding of the gospel that gives us an understanding about God. And this understanding about God, the theology about God, cannot be dismissed. And it's the gospel that brings about transformation in people's lives that displays a power that cannot be denied. Folks, this is what we claim as our identity as individuals and as our identity as a church. We want to be a people who have our lives formed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want the gospel to be the centre of who we are. The good news of Jesus is what shapes us and informs us. Folks, a church that has the gospel at the centre has a theology that cannot be dismissed and power that cannot be denied. If you're a Christian, truly a Christian, this is what is happening to you. Have a look at verse 5 of chapter 2. It says there, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You, Christian, are a living stone, a stone that is alive, that is being built upon Jesus, who is described here as the cornerstone, the main stone of which everything is built upon. And you as an individual, is a as a living stone, is being built up with other living stones, other believers, to be a temple, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. We're being built up to be a place where God's spirit dwells and where we live lives that are sacrificial for the cause of the gospel, for the glory of Jesus. And we do that in a watching world. That is what is happening to you now. Through whatever you are going through, if you are truly a Christian, you are being built up to be that place. See, our purpose and our function as Christian people in this life is not to live comfortable lives and say that we are Christians. No, it is to live radically different lives than everyone else. 
We are to live in such a way that when people see us, they see the presence and the glory of God. As we live out these sacrificial lives that are not determined by comfort, but determined by the gospel. Now, this sort of living that flows from an understanding of the gospel, folks, is not a step into comfort. No, it's a step into a way of living that is totally different to the culture that we are in. Now, Peter here is writing to Christians who are really trying to make sense of what it is to live for Jesus. They're seeking to be gospel-centered. But as a result of being gospel-centered, they are being marginalized. They are being persecuted. Now, folks, they're not being fed to lions at this point. But what is happening here, they are being socially marginalized. They are struggling to, to find work or struggling to get on in work because of their faith in Jesus. There are, their, their persecution is subtle. Their persecution is silent. Now, folks, that is true for us today. See, in the early church, Christians were not persecuted because they worshipped Jesus. No, no, no. They were worshipped because they worshipped Jesus only. They were persecuted because they said that Jesus is the only way. They were persecuted because they claimed that Jesus was the only foundation for a true life of happiness and purpose and meaning and joy and hope is built upon Jesus. See, the culture that they, they, they lived in did not like the fact that Christian people allowed nothing else but the gospel to shape and inform them. And it was that that caused them to rub up against society. It was that that made life as the church difficult. The fact that people were living their lives on someone, Jesus, who people had rejected as the life-giving promised son and king of God. That was the issue. So people were fine. Yeah, okay, you believe in Jesus. You believe that Jesus is the son of God. But to allow that to shape your life amongst us in a way that affects us, we're not having that. Folks, that is so true for us today, isn't it? It's so true. The people are happy with us following Jesus, but they're not happy if our lives are lived in such a way that asks questions, that presents questions, that makes things uncomfortable. As Christian people who are living in a culture that is rejecting the very person who we are building our lives upon, it is so important that we know and we remember who we are. It is so important that we know and remember what our purpose is and how we should live. And folks, can I, can I say this? Who we are and how we are to live is not an individual walk. No. It's not a walk that, that says, I'm going to live for Jesus and keep him to myself and, and just do my own thing. No, no, no. The Bible is clear. Who we are and how we should live is a people together. See, the gospel shapes us to be a people. To have the gospel at the center of your life as an individual moves you and causes you to know that you are not on your own. You are part of a people being built up in the gospel of Jesus together for the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus to the world. See, folks, one of the reasons why people can't just dismiss the theology that we preach and deny the power is because they see community amongst God's people, a community that stands out, 
They see the way we love each other, the, the way we seek to care for each other, the community. Folks, I have people all the time saying, I may not believe what I believe, but there's something about the way that you, you people live, the way you people love each other. Folks, that flows from the gospel being at the centre of who we are and what we do. See, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that reminds us of our identity. It shows us our identity. It is the gospel that gives us our identity. And it's from our, our identity that we then are told what our purpose is. See, our identity flows and determines our purpose, which then determines how we live, our function. Folks, that's the same for us as individuals. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a husband. That's the reality of who, 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 who I am. And therefore, that gives me purpose. And when I know my purpose, I then need to figure out my function. And that looks different for me in, in different contexts, what it is to, to other people. But as the people of God, as Christians, the Bible is clear for us. What are we called to do? Who we are. So I've got three things. I want to look at what our identity is, what our, what our purpose is, and what our function is. Number one, our identity. See, P Peter here saves the church. You are living in a world that rejects Jesus. They're offended by him. But I want you to remember who you are. Folks, that's true for us. We are living in a world that is rejecting Jesus. We're living in a world that is rejecting the truth of the gospel. But I want us. Peter wants us. God wants us to remember who we are. Folks, for any of you who are suffering at this time, for any of you who are being marginalised, who any of you feel that, it, that your life is just trial after trial after trial after trial, for any of you who are experiencing indifference from, from, from people that you're trying to share the gospel with, for those of you who just feel that you're under a time of rebuke from God, for any of you who are just fearful, remember who you are. And Peter says to them in verse 9 of chapter 2, in light of the rejection, in light of the backdrop, in light of the context that the world is rejecting the very person that you are building your lives upon, I want you to remember this. You are a chosen race, verse 9. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his possession. And verse 10 you are God's people who have received God's mercy. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you did not know mercy, but now you have received mercy. And Peter there is, is, is giving them a direct quote from Exodus 19. This is what God said to Israel when he saved them from Egypt. He saved them. They never saved themselves. It was him who saved according to his grace and mercy. And then he declared them to be his people. His chosen race, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, a people for his possession. In fact, he calls them his treasured possession. Folks, I'm choosing you, he says, and I want you to represent me an understanding, a true understanding of who I am to the world. I want you to live lives that are set apart and radically different and display a holiness because I am holy. And I want you to live with a security and know that I love you and you are my treasured possession. Folks, that was all according to the mercy of God for Israel. And it is true for us today. We receive and know the gospel. We are these things. We have this identity because of the mercy of God. Flip back over to chapter 1 and see in verse 3. 
3. What Peter says is everything I'm going to say to you, everything I'm going to remind you of is according to the mercy of God. See that verse 3? According to the mercy of God. And then he says this, you have been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has died and rose again, never to die again, you who have faith in him have also been born again. You've been given a new start, but you have a new start, not with blind hope, but with living hope, all because of what Jesus has done. And in verses 18 and 19, he also reminds them, look, you have been ransomed, bought back from meaningless and futile ways of sin, of brokenness, things that you were born into. But you've not been bought back through the use of money, but you've been bought back by the precious sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who did not live futile, a futile life. Jesus, who did not have a meaningless life, but who was perfect, who died in our place and used his own blood to buy us back us who are his according to his great mercy we have this living hope and this hope that we have this four and five is not a hope that is limited it's not a hope that ends with a job or with retirement or even death this is an eternal hope this is an inheritance if there is a financial crash this stays if there is brokenness in the world, this stays. If there is another pandemic, this stays. This is a hope that is eternal and an inheritance that is being kept for us and being guarded for us. It is safe and it is secure. And folks, this gospel, this good news wasn't plan B. This is what God has planned for all eternity. And as you look down the ages, you can see, and he tells us there in verses 10 and 12, that there were prophets, there were those that studied the scriptures because they knew a promised one to save people was to come. Who was he? Where would the spirit of this promised one, this Christ, this Messiah, where would it come? And as they looked and as they proclaimed, they were looking and proclaiming for the those that Peter wrote to and looking and proclaiming for our sake. And this wonderful good news, this wonderful gospel is something that even the heavenly beings, the angels themselves, long to look at, long to understand. Folks, this is our identity. We are God's people who have received God's mercy. And as a result, we are now his people. This is our identity because of the gospel. Now, this identity defines our purpose. So you see there, flip back over to chapter 2, verses 9. In the second half of the verse, it says this. We are these things. You are these things so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Folks, our purpose is to proclaim to the world how amazing Jesus is and who we now are because of him. That's my purpose. That is our purpose. Look, look how amazing Jesus is. My job now as an individual, a living stone who was part of the church of Jesus Christ, this people is to proclaim how amazing he is. To proclaim that he is the one that has taken me from darkness and brought me into life, that has raised me from the dead and given me newness of life, never to die again. That is my purpose. That is our purpose as Cornerstone Church. But what's so interesting is that we can sit here and we can agree these things, but in reality, 
if we are honest, at times we don't see our lives actually living out this purpose. Why is that? Maybe we need to see afresh our need for mercy. Folks, maybe we need to see afresh that we are broken people saved by grace. We don't deserve this, but God graciously gives this. Maybe it's because we've become prideful and we've allowed that pride to get in the way, that we've become fearful. And actually we're, we're building security on, on what we do rather than on what God has done and what God has promised in and through Jesus. Maybe it's because we actually don't love the church. Maybe we don't live this purpose because we don't see this purpose as a people. And maybe it's we actually don't love Jesus. Folks, wait. Until you see that Jesus is excellent, you will not proclaim his excellence. Until you see your need for mercy, you will never tell people of the mercy of God. Until you see that you are headed for an eternity with him, you will not live life like you are. Folks, as gospel-centered people, our purpose, our purpose is to tell the city that Jesus is amazing because of who he is and what he has done and what he has promised. That is our purpose. And it is, it is our identity that, that, that shows us and gives us our purpose that leads to help us to live, to function as God's people with the gospel at the centre. It defines our function, how we live. See, Peter later on says this. He says, beloved, you are loved, loved people. I urge you as sojourners. He calls them travellers, sojourners. So it's interesting. He's saying, look, this world that you're living in is not your home. I don't know if you've travelled, but I've travelled quite a bit. And when I'm travelling, when I'm moving home, when I'm wanting to get home, I don't, I don't want to stay still. I want to keep going. I want to keep moving on. That actually my eyes are on the prize. Home. Now, it's funny, we, we've been on holiday this year a couple of times and we've driven all around all around the, uh, the, the country. And when we come to go home, I'm the type of person that just wants to get home. Sean wants to spend the rest of the day and travel in different places. She'd love to do that. But I, I, I have a restlessness because I'm not home. This is not my home. I need to get through. I need to get through the, the M6. I need to, to get onto the M62. I need to be back in my home because that's my home. And it determines and shows me how I live. And Peter says to the Christians and he says to us, this is not your home. Don't build a, a life on a foundation that is temporary. Don't put all your eggs in the baskets of this life because this world and this culture that you are experiencing is not your home. So he says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So he's saying, as you travel through, abstain, stop, don't engage with the passions of the flesh. Because, folks, if we are building our lives on this life and this life only, the passions of our flesh will be stirred because we will see purpose and meaning in the things that are temporal around us. But he says, no, you are passing through. This is not your home. This is not where you rest. A service station on the M62 is not your home. An English heritage site or National Trust house on the way home is not your home. No, your home is home with him, with Jesus. 
Don't allow the passions of the flesh to stir up inside you because it's those passions that wage war against your souls. It, it is those things that cause you to forget the truth of the gospel. It is those things that cause you to change your identity from being a child of the living God to somebody that is living for self. It is those things. Folks, I want to tell you this. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about against other people. No, our battle is against powers and principalities. Our battle is against an evil one who's doing everything that he can to remove the gospel from the center of your life. He's doing everything that he can to remove the gospel from the center of the life of Cornerstone Church. So we have to have a, a mindset of sojourners because this is not our home. This does not determine who we are. He determines who we are, the Lord Jesus. The hope of heaven determines who we are. The reality of a new creation determines who we are. So our function is to abstain from the passions of the flesh and put all our eggs in his basket, in Jesus' basket, not in the basket of this culture and this world. But we are to do that in such a way that, that, that our conduct among those who do not know Jesus is honourable. We're not fighting with people. No, we're actually living out the truth of the gospel and representing of God of grace, love and mercy and patience amongst the people who are rejecting him. And what Peter says is, so, so when they, even if they speak evil against you, they will see your good deeds. And when Jesus returns, they'll glorify him because of it. What Peter's saying here is live out your understanding of the gospel. Live out a theology that cannot be dismissed and display a power that cannot be denied. Folks, a power of selfless love, a power of sacrificial love, a power of hospitality, a power of patience, a power of mercy, a power of grace, a power of engagement, a power of proclaiming the good news of Jesus to a watching world. We ought to do that in our society, in every corner that we find ourselves in. We are to do that in our workplaces, folks. We are to do that in our homes. That is our function, to travel through proclaiming the excellencies of God in what we say and how we live. This is our identity that flows out of a gospel-centeredness, that forms our purpose and shows us how to live our function. Folks, God has us here in Liverpool. He has us here in Merseyside together as a people to live out the gospel, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, not alone, but together as a people. And we are to spread abroad the amazing news of Jesus Christ. We are to live and proclaim a theology that cannot be dismissed, and display power that cannot be denied. Folks, and even if we are going through trials and difficulties, even if it feels that one trial is following the next, I know for some of you the last six months have been the worst six months. I know for some of you the last six weeks have been the, the worst six weeks. I know for some of you that even this very day, even in my own context, my own life, this very day as I preach, we as a family are walking through brokenness and fear and worry regarding health and, and all sorts of issues. It is a trial and a trial and a trial, one after the other, but that doesn't change who we are. It doesn't change who I am. 
It doesn't change who we are, Cornerstone Church. We are God's treasured possession in whom he has shown mercy to and he has given us a purpose to tell the world about his son and folks can i tell you this it is in those moments of trials it is in those moments of difficulties it's in those moments of pressure where the priorities of our lives as individuals and a church come to the forefront and it's in those moments where people see a power that cannot be denied it's in those moments they people see an understanding of a God that is very different to the, what the world is presenting. And that cannot be dismissed. Folks, to walk through the reality of this broken world that we find ourselves in, to travel through a sojourners, going home, we need the gospel at the centre. Cornerstone Church, we are a church and we will fight to be a church. And in fact, if we don't have this, we won't be a church. Gospel-centered. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you and I praise you so much for the good news of Jesus. And I thank you so much that it is the gospel that forms us and shapes us. I want to thank you so much for stirring our hearts through your word as you have proclaimed and shown us who we are. And Father, help us by your spirit to live out that purpose, to proclaim to the world how amazing Jesus is. Look who he is. Look what he has done. Hear what he has promised and see what he has done for our lives. Help us do that, we pray, for your glory's sake. Amen. Love you guys more than you know. Have a wonderful week. God bless.